Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Stolen by Ehlers to Wheeler, back to Ehlers, scores! Kyle Connor has the Midas touch right now! And another outstanding stop by Connor Hellebuck! Check the shoot! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. We did it. Episode 100 of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. They have not told us to stop doing this. We will forge (laughs) on into the next century of episodes. Joined here by Mitchell Clinton of Jets TV and 680 CGOB's Jamie Thomas, the original crew from ground control no disrespect to paul edmonds at all we definitely appreciate his inclusion but this is the og crew guys yes. uh episode 100 welcome it's quite a quite an honor to uh to be here and uh i was gonna say in accepting this award but there is no award it's just <laughs> grab something off your shelf mitch yeah There's there we go <laughs> be some kind of there you go there you go <laughs> For those of you listening, as this is a podcast, Mitch is yeah. currently sitting at his home studio that you see in the three takeaways videos after the game and the road report as well. And uh, yes, the little finish mug that he's got. Uh, Jamie coming to you live from outer space as his uh, digital background <laughs> is. Uh, not well, quite I'm in sure my daughter's bedroom, the... best best internet in the house. So I don't know. Uh, oh, there you, there you go. Perfect. He's finally figured it out. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, let's get to the task at hand here. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, overall, a pretty solid week after dropping two straight to the Edmonton Oilers. They pick up two straight wins in Van, and then uh, get the first of uh, a two game or the first of a three game set against Calgary. Obviously, falling on Saturday uh, to the Flames four two. But uh, Mitch, just overall, your thoughts on what the Winnipeg Jets proved this week coming off those back to back losses? Well, I mean, you win three of four and you'll take that every week, I think. I mean, maybe maybe you don't want to play four and seven every week, but that so that'll add up real quick. But uh, you'll take three out of four anytime you can get it. I think what stands out to me is we're now really into the grind of March. Like we, we spoke about it a little bit last week and how the schedule was piling up. But yet here are the Jets and we're 90% through this 17 games and 31 stretch and they're still rattling off three wins and four nights and Still had the energy, you know, to come back on Saturday, race the 2 nothing deficit, get to 2-2. And then even though they weren't able to get back uh, on even footing after that, there was still the push in the third period. So there's uh, a lot of character in the group. Now, you can say the Canucks were injured and not at full strength. Sure, but you still have to win the games. And that's kind of something that I think is also lost. Um, structurally, the Vancouver Canucks usually play a pretty strong and solid game. And while the scores, you know, will be, will be four, one and, or sorry, four, nothing and five, one, you know, I think there is still a lot of good things that the Winnipeg Jets did in that. And, we're, and they were convincing in those wins. I was really pulling for Connor Hellebuck to get back to back shutouts. Cause he hasn't done that in his career yet. And he was so close just under 90 seconds away. Uh, but then you get the split with the flames who I thought played uh, much better in the Saturday game than the, uh, the Friday game. Um, Lauren Brassois, obviously a third period he's going to want to have back, but you can tell from the entire team. And I think Logan Stanley kind of said it best after the game on Saturday, they know he's going to bounce back just like the team has made a habit of doing it this season. So overall a good week for the Winnipeg Jets. Jamie Mitch mentioned him right there. Logan Stanley obviously gets his first NHL goal. Uh, An absolute snipe from uh, the, 
the top of the circle. Um, just what were your what was your reaction when you when you saw the puck go past the past David Riddick? I just think it's hard not to be happy for the big guy. To, he, he had chances uh, earlier this week to to get his first National Hockey League goals, got the first National Hockey League assist out of the way, and I think it further proves that it's going to be very difficult for Logan Stanley to come out of the Winnipeg Jets lineup. He comes in by an injury, and now he has pretty much played his way to stay. And I know that's a long ways away from that type of decision to be made, but to, to score a goal the way he did, and he's, he's got his first NHL fight out of the way too as well. So there's just a whole bunch of firsts that you that he's proven that he can play in the NHL. He's proven that uh, spending time in the American Hockey League after being drafted is a good thing to do uh, to cement your game. And uh, I think there's so many people that are happy for Logan Stanley's development and his play. And uh, it's it's been something to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, just as someone who's been in the bubble this year, uh, the guys absolutely love Logan. And I think as soon as that buck went in, the bench was standing up waiting for the flyby. And, you know, you could tell that everybody was pretty pumped. So um, congrats to Logan. Uh, we actually interviewed Logan on our 99th episode. So if you didn't listen to that, go check it out. The uh, ground control bump. That's what he got there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. It's, it's a proven science. It's a proven yeah. science. Well, th- well, this week's guest is Connor Hellebuck, and I- I'm pretty sure he'll get the bump too. Yes. <laughs> All the way um, to the finals. Yes. For, yes, please. Uh, Mitch, uh, the third line. I mean, Connor, uh, Andrew Kopp uh, had four goals against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, what a performance by him. Uh, Adam Lowry, the uh, as well, had two goals uh, in the previous game. And then uh, Mason Appleton had one on Saturday night against the Flames. Just what have you seen from that trio and how come they have been so effective? Yeah, I mean, you added up over the last, I believe it's four games, they've got seven goals and 12 points. And I mean, that's a, it's a line that kind of starts uh, from their own zone out, which is, you know, pretty much the embodiment of what Paul Maurice wants to see from every line uh, on the Winnipeg Jets. And all three of them are penalty killers and real good penalty killers at that. Um, so basically that defensive mindset that they have and those defensive strengths that they have just translate into their five on five game and their five on four game. And, you know, the, the thing that's kind of changed this year and Andrew Cobb said it is they don't really view themselves as a checking line. Sure. They might get that assignment, but when they're at, when they're on the road, opposing coaches are doing everything they can to get their top guys away from that line. So now you got a little, another kind of situation in the matchups where maybe the cop Lowry Appleton line is going against an opposition's third line. And the way that the jets line, that trio is playing, that's an advantage every single night for the Winnipeg Jets. And you look at seven games against the Flames so far this year, another group that that is pretty deep up front. Cop Lowry Appleton got three goals and nine points so far in seven games. So they're finding ways to get to the back of the net. Uh, Mason Appleton obviously scoring on Saturday. I think Andrew Cop picked up the assist on that one. So you can have guys, you have guys on that line that can take faceoffs and Cop and, and, and Lowry. And at the same time, they're, they're so much different offensively and how they generate offense from the top two lines that I think it gives the, the Jets a really nice mix. And we're starting to see uh, the rewards for those guys uh, who have worked so hard on not only their defensive game, but finding ways to uh, contribute on the offensive side as well. Jamie, are we starting to see the playoff push edition or version of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he's allowed three goals in his last three starts. 
combined. Mm. Um, and, and one of those goals were in essentially trash time. Um, what have you seen from Connor Hellebuck that's allowing him to, to clamp down right now? I think the best way to, to kind of answer that question, Tyler, is those last two starts that he had, he was, he was phenomenal. But, of course, Andrew Kopp's four-goal game overrode his uh, effort in Vancouver. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, the first game in Calgary, again, so solid. But the fact that they held on and played so well kind of overshadowed that as well. So it, it looks like Connor Hellebuck in November and February of uh, last season when he just simply was – moving things around his his uh, positioning was fantastic no big rebounds and you know Mitch has brought this up many times and for good reason that game in that memory that game in San Jose when he had 50 plus saves and he said I was kind of bored <laughs> so yeah. that that's because everything is hitting him because he's in the right place so I think those last three starts are exactly where he was in the months of November and February and that's, that is a phenomenal feeling. If you're the Winnipeg Jets at this point to know your goaltender is locked in like that, it, it was by no fault of his own, those games in, in Edmonton, uh, especially when Blake, Blake Wheeler said they ran into a freak. <laughs> in best way to put it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's probably the best uh, description of Connor McDavid I've heard since he's been in the national hockey league from Blake Wheeler the other day. So uh, he he's in the right place at the right time. And, you know, you outside of that, uh, anomaly of a performance from Lauren Brassois the other night. I think you feel pretty okay with your goaltending as you get to the playoffs here. Well, sliding into our guest this week, Connor Hellebuck, obviously perfect segue. Uh, I sat down with the Jets goaltender on Saturday afternoon, talked about a bunch of different things, including his time in Odessa, Texas with the Odessa Jackalopes. And uh, through the power of the internet, I actually reached out to his goaltending partner, Justin Davis. He lives in St. Louis currently. So he gave me a few tasty nuggets to play off of to throw at Connor. (laughs) Um, So we talked about that. Uh, We talked about just the team this year and quite a bit more. So enjoy this uh, about 20 minute interview. Hi, this is Connor Hellebuck and you're listening to Ground Control the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined by Connor Hellebuck here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Connor, this is our 100th episode, so it's a big deal for us. And now I would probably ask you, I'm going to, what's your favorite episode of Ground Control? Have you listened to any of them? (laughs) No, no, I have not. I figured not. That's all good. Uh, Okay, so number 100. Do you remember your 100th NHL win? Oh, yeah, I have it framed up in my basement. Um, it was against Edmonton, yep. and it was a big win, and um, I made some big saves late at the end, and you know the team was pumped. So since then, you've picked up an extra 64 wins. You're sitting at 164. You're a Vezina winner. Um, you've become one of the most consistent and dependable goalies in the NHL. Um, now, when you think back to the 11-12 season in Odessa, you know, did you think that you would get here? And I suspect I know the answer to this, but did you, did you think this is where you'd end up? Well, this was the plan the entire time, and um, when I was in that season, I really wasn't thinking NHL. Um, I was more thinking about the next step and making myself the best I can every day so I can get to the next step, which at that point was college, and um, that came rather quickly that year, and then not only that, then I started getting some NHL scouts coming around and asking questions, and it was almost a whirlwind because... I wasn't really expecting NHL out of that junior league. I was expecting just let's grind and get to the next step. And then all of a sudden everything started happening at once. 
So in Odessa, your goaltending partner was Justin Davis. Do you remember Justin? I do. So through the internet, I managed to get in contact with him yesterday. <laughs> so uh, he gave me some tidbits to play off of here. Um, so I asked him, when you played with Connor, what was he like as a guy and a teammate? And he goes... He was a good guy, always cracking one-liners and laughing at his own jokes. <laughs> uh, reminds me of the video the NHL posted of someone rolling him down to practice, uh, which was in Edmonton uh, about a month ago. He says that sums up his personality pretty well. As far as the teammate goes, he was our best player, always competing and making everyone else around him better. Uh, what do you remember about him and just your relationship with him? Oh, J.D. was awesome. Um, man, he was just on and off the ice. Great team guy. Um, Really a goalie, too. And, uh, you know, there was one time I saw him in St. Louis. It was my rookie year. And I saw him in the stands. And he was waving to me. And I felt so bad because we had just lost and I'm a rookie. And I wanted to say hi to him. But I was so nervous about what <laughs> everyone thinks. We just lost the game. And um, but I always feel bad about that. So if you contact him again, tell him I said hello. And, you know, he was just so awesome on and off the ice and really clicked with the team. And, um, you know, miss him a little bit. I sent him a link to the podcast, so hopefully he hears that himself. Uh, <laughs> one other one that he sent me, I asked him if he had any good stories about you. He said there's plenty, but to name a couple, he said your team took an MMA class once a week to stay in shape. And after class, we messed around fighting each other with headgear on, and he took on the team enforcer, and apparently you kicked his ass. So do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably let me win. <laughs> I always like to think I'm a good fighter, and... Um, if you want a good story, uh, we did a, a secret Santa for um, for just between the players, and yeah. um, we got a couple guys like joke gifts, right? And um, I got these Rock'em Sock'em, you know, the blow up yeah. boxing gloves, yeah. and um, I forget who gave it to him, but he he got them, and <laughs> he blew them right right away, and he was just shadow boxing with these things on for like an hour, and it was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I Googled Odessa and, you know, there's a few things to do, but the thing that I found most interesting was there's this place called Southern Made Donuts. Have you ever tried the donuts from there? I have not. Okay, well, so hopefully I'll just take the internet's word for it then. (laughs) I will tell you what, (laughs) my favorite part about Odessa was the burgers. Okay. The meat was just so clean and um, my billet family would take me down to a butchery and um, the butchery would make their own burgers. Yeah. I always remember thinking, like, what is this place? Like, how we can get good food here? And then one bite of that burger, and I was hooked. And I was asking (laughs) them at least once a week, let's go down and get a burger, because it was so good. What was that league like? I mean, there's teams from all over the country. Um, Did you you play exclusively in your division? How how did that all work? Um, Not exclusively, but um, for the most part, yes. Uh, We, most teams take a a trip out. we went out to Alaska and got to experience Alaska oh, really? during the Northern Lights. Yeah, um, I never got to see the Northern Lights, but um, I was there when they were supposed to be going out. You know, <laughs> they weren't showing very well. You had to but, Google them then. Yeah, um, no. So we got to play Alaska, and that was a great experience in itself. But um, the Southern Division is nicknamed the Dirty South because you have to fight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough division, and um, every given night the teams are so equal, and um, you had to be tough. Uh, that's just what the fans called for and um, no matter where you were in that division if a goal was going in the home fans were throwing stuff on the ice so <laughs> really? Corpus Christi was foam pucks Odessa was foam carrots um, Amarillo was these uh, these balls that had their logo on it these foam balls and then they also had a teddy bear night and um, yeah so it was a crazy division it was that fun. is odd mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you had to. Did you ever have, come close to a goalie fight at all? Um, Justin Davis got in a goalie really? fight. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> How I did he do? Thinking he was crazy for it. Um, he did very well. That's good. Uh, it was so funny because um, the other goalie tried to get the crowd all pumped up going into it, and then when they grabbed each other, they just like traded blows, as in. He would punch, and then he would pull back, and the other guy, and neither of them could really reach each other. Right. I think Justin got one or two punches in, but yep. um, they were just going back and forth, trading punches and and dodging, and it was probably a minute long and pretty good fight. Nice. That's mm-hmm. good. Good for him. Um, you know, moving out of Odessa and then going to UMass Lowell, what led to that decision to to choose that school? Um, it was more of I didn't really know how that whole thing worked um picking schools waiting for them to come to you um i was very new to it all um even going out and seeing campus i didn't know that was a thing either so when uh umass lowell came i mean i had i had a few phone calls before that but they were the first to come yeah and they saw me for a weekend and then right away they offered me a scholarship and the pamphlet that they gave me um, it just felt like a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I took a night to sleep on it, and then I woke up with the gut feeling that this is right. This is it. Yeah. Um, so I took my first offer, and then later I started learning, like, okay, you can go for a visit. So I ended up going for a visit and stuff. But for the most part, it was more of a gut feel that this was the right fit. Confidence is something that you've never lacked. I think that's probably just part of being a goalie. And where does that come from for you? Is it is it just a mindset to sort of go in knowing that I can save every single puck tonight? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had the right people around me, and um, my parents are very confident people, and um, my whole entire family, I should say, is very confident. And um, we all we are very in our own ways and very we believe in ourselves a lot. Like that's sure. that's the that's the family way. Um, my like my brother owns his businesses and my aunts and uncles they own their businesses and um everyone runs their lives you know um and going into every game it's i know i have control of everything in front of me and um and i'm a realist realist too like Mm -hmm. i watch video and i know where i can improve but um, when i go into a, a game i just i have that strong belief that if everything goes right and i am in control then i can control stopping everything how does that work with your relationship with flats i mean he's he's the coach and he's not not that he's picking things apart by any means but you know he's the one identifying the things that you can get better at and i'm sure you're seeing those as well i guess just what's that relationship like um well first we had we had to go through some improving stages um definitely the nhl level is different and mm-hmm. you have to improve to get there and stay there um so after those stages like now we're to a point where when he pulls up a clip and he already knows, he doesn't even have to say anything. He pulls right. up a clip and I'm like, oh, yep, there it is. That's yeah. that's a problem. And we fix it right away. Um, he's more of a manager now as opposed to well, let's improve every single day. It's more of, okay, let's make sure that your mind's right, your body's right, um, your small details are right. So now some days we're improving, some days we're making sure my head's right, and some days we're just working on consistency, you know, um, getting the details right and he's so good at what he does he never makes us feel like oh we have a problem Mm -hmm. every day it's like okay we're we're trending the right way we're we're building the right way and tomorrow is going to be better than what's today um you signed a six-year deal with the jets back prior to the 18-19 season what was it about winnipeg that made you want to lock in long term well i just i like the city as a whole um they've really embraced me um the, the organization's really embraced me and um, being able to fish on my off days is fantastic. Helps me 
take my mind off the rink. So I'm a, I'm an overthinker. I yep. think a lot of stuff and, um, I'm not much of a city guy and Winnipeg is, you got your parts. Like I'm just outside the city and I, and I love the feel of it. And, um, I've really grown accustomed to the lifestyle that we have, um, where it's going to walk in the park in the forest and, or, um, playing some of my video games or watching movies and cuddling up next to the fire. You know, there's just, I've really grown accustomed to the lifestyle in Winnipeg and, and I really enjoy it. You, you mentioned being an overthinker. I think a lot of us deal with that on a daily basis. I guess what are, you know, you mentioned fishing, but what are some of your other tips and tricks that you use to, you know, calm yourself down or, you know, tell yourself, Hey, it's actually not that big a deal type thing. Uh, yeah. So a lot of it is breathing and then looking back on it. Um, not in the moment, but taking some time and then looking back on it and realizing, yeah, I was probably overthinking that or uh, I need to take your mind off that or maybe looking around the league and saying, okay, I understand what he's going through. So becoming more realistic with yourself when you're watching everything else that's going around you. Um, and it does help going fishing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, doing something else where it completely takes your mind off focusing every day on one thing is is almost a poison, right? Um, being a little fishing or go golfing or, you know, just watching golf on TV and really amassing yourself in something different mm -hmm. helps you just break the connection that you were, the or the side of the rabbit hole that you're going down yeah. in one detail, you know, and then you just come back and you're able to look at the whole thing as a whole and, and realize, okay, let's not overthink this. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Makes sense. Um, what excites you about this year's team, this current edition of the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, you know, I think this year's team can do it all. Um, we can outscore teams. We can outdefend teams. And um, we have good goaltending, good defense, and good good offense. So um, you never know what you're going to get out of us on every given night. And, and that's the best part of it. Like, who's going to be the hero tonight? You, you never really know. We have a lot of guys that can score. We have a lot of D-men that can shut things down. Um, it's so exciting to see a different a different team every single night, right? I mean, obviously we're playing the same way and we're sticking to our details, but um, for the hero, you never know who's going to be that guy. And right. That's exciting to me. Makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you've been with the group for a while now. How important has the consistency been, not only from a player standpoint, but just from a staff as well? I mean, you haven't had much turnover with the coaching staff at all. Yeah, you know, and I talked about this with um, one of the players the other day is, the best part about our staff and our organization is they are growing with us. They're not just stuck in their ways because, like Paul, he has a ton of NHL games, and you still see him improving every single day. Mm -hmm. And we really are growing this team as a whole, not just one guy is getting better and, and one part of the team is getting better. It is the entire team that is growing and getting better and really understanding what it takes to be good in this league. I've asked you this before, and, you know, Paul always talks about how he just leaves the goalies alone. He lets Flats deal with the goalies. But what's your relationship like with Paul? I mean, you kind of, mm -hmm. you know, alluded to it a little bit there. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, it's changed a lot through the years. Um, as he um, grows more comfortable with me and understands that what me and Flats are doing is is different. Mm -hmm. Different than the forward to the defense. And he just lets us do our thing and he trusts us. That's the biggest thing, the, the trust factor when that comes into play. Um but our relationship is, I mean, I respect him and I, everything he says and everything he manages, I respect the way he's doing it and I'm not going to question it. Um, he has a lot of games and he can see this team through the years and he knows what's going to make us play best. So 
for me, I just I respect every decision he makes. And then if he needs something from me, he comes and talks to me. And um, so it's, it's really business as usual. But there is a casual point where sometimes he'll joke with me the story. Like yesterday before the game, he was telling me what the old times were when yeah. there was no advertisements on the boards and and the and the the wingers would stay in their lanes and it was it was good to hear a little bit of lighthearted stories from him yeah must be kind of cool too i mean the man has coached over a thousand games in the nhl and he's very likely a hall of fame coach one day just that has to be pretty cool as a hockey fan too oh absolutely um you know when him and charlie huddy get going those guys those guys have stories you know and the good stories about the old days that don't you don't see anymore and um it's just back when it was so fun and funny and just different and now there's so much pressure on the game and and i'm sure there's pressure back then too but yeah now looking back you can kind of laugh about it and um it's it's good to get the touches of that every once in a while you've had a couple different goalie partners here in winnipeg but right now you're with lauren bersois how is that uh relationship developed over the past few years it seems like you guys are the best of buds yeah yeah it's great because like we make each other better and i know every goalie partner can say that but the fact of the matter is we have the same trainer and and very similar games um so it's not just making each other based on okay we're competing now it's more i try something new he tries it doesn't work then he tries something new and he tells me about it and i try it and does work and stuff like that so like little little details where it's not just one guy figuring out and then one guy trying to see if it works for his game it's it's a two-way street like he he'll try some things that work into my game and i try some things that work into his game and just being able to get better like that is so more consistent because he can see things from the outside and not even be afraid to tell me because he's all of a sudden just saying okay i'm working on this and i see this and it's great that we can bounce ideas back and forth because it's almost like having another goalie coach yeah i was just gonna say that that must be kind of like that have you ever been in an opposite situation where your goaltending partner whether you know you guys are competing for a job and you're just not seeing eye to eye type of thing and, and that has to be difficult i would imagine um no not necessarily though at that point it just becomes you're worrying about yourself and you're right. worrying about your own game and and then there's mental sides of it that you all goalies understand because we're alone in the net and no one really understands goaltending like a goaltender. So there's always the mental side of it and what we're going through, which is always nice to have a goalie partner to talk about that. That makes sense. Um, wrapping things up here, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but you're an avid, avid fisherman. Um, what spots in Manitoba do you check out a lot of the time in the winter? I am a big Lake Winnipeg guy. Okay. The walleye bite is real good, and um, learning to navigate that water is – a little bit frustrating because there's always ridges and um, thick snow, but um, once you do, it's it's really easy and you know really fun. Nice. Uh, do you take any of the teammates out with you, or are you just a kind of single guy out there in your shack? No, I have, I have. Okay, um, I take some teammates and. I wait till I get on to a good bite before I take them. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't get bad reviews. Yeah, as a guy. exactly, and make sure. And I have taken out a guy here and there when they haven't caught anything, and I. It sucks for me. I feel like it was even more pressure on me, and I want yep. them to, to love what I do. But sure. um, no, just getting out there for an off day is just, especially when you bring a teammate and you just chat about everything that's going on and just lightweight, you know, kind of take the stress off. That's yeah. the best part of it. Who are you not inviting back? 
<laughs> Honestly, I've liked everyone I've gone with so That's far. Good. Everyone enjoys it. So um, every fisherman has a great fishing story. Do you have one at all? Uh, I mean, I guess I have a, a little one from Lake Winnipeg. Sure. Um, I had been. I, uh, I have this pan optics where I can kind of see how big the fish is. Okay. And uh, I caught a nice big walleye, and I'm bringing up the hole, and I know it's big, and I get into the hole, and the ice is probably two feet deep, maybe, maybe a little less. Yeah. I bring it into the hole, and all of a sudden the lure pops out and I can see the fish and I know how big it is. And I got it face first through the hole. So it's hard for that big fish to turn around the hole and get down. Yeah. And as it's trying, I just shove my arm all the way down the hole. No way. Uh huh. And they have teeth in their mouth yeah. too. So I had to be very careful, get my finger in its mouth and just grab a tooth and just slightly turn its head up so it can't turn back down. And then I like, and then by this point, my whole forearms in, in the hole <laughs> and this, at this point I grab its, it's uh, it, it's neck, and I, I start to pull it up, and then I get my hand, my other hand on it, and I pull out this 26 inch walleye. No way. Yeah, and I look, and it's like anything for the fish, and I think KC was with me at the time, and then my whole arm was just soaked. But yeah, <laughs> there's there's your fishing story. Great way to end it. Thanks so much, Connor. You're welcome. Shop where the players shop. JetsGearAndTrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. Sliding into the back half of this podcast, Mitch, we'll start with you. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, they get going this week. Uh, they finish up the seven-game road trip uh, with a date against the Calgary Flames on Monday. And then on Wednesday and Friday, they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs and then wrap things up on Sunday with a battle against the Vancouver Canucks. And that's the start of a two-game set. So what are we looking for from the Jets this week? Well, I think the first thing is you finish off a stretch of 12 of 14 on the road. That's probably the biggest thing that the Jets are going to take out of uh, the end of this uh, seven-game road trip coming. Um, you just know that that's been an absolute grind. Like, you come off the, I believe it was the five-game road trip before, you're home for three days, and you're back out on the road for nearly two weeks. Like, that's that's a lot. Um, so now the challenge is, and I have to give a shout-out to Dennis Bayek for this one, but um he said it on the broadcast the other night the challenge is handling the first game back from the road trip the jets have kind of feasted on teams in that position so far this season and it's been similarly done to them to a certain extent at bell mts place this season as well so it's not going to be easy you come home and you have a two-game series uh with the maple leafs the very team the jets are chasing for top spot in the north then you have the canucks coming in and vancouver's had some success inside bell mts place so far this season so while the Jets have enjoyed some success in Vancouver, it's been vice versa for the Canucks in Winnipeg. So it's also crazy to think that over this week, we're going to flip the calendar over to April. And uh, the big bonus is we won't see a 9 p.m. start until the 17th of April after the uh, after the Calgary <laughs> yeah. game on Monday. So that's that's huge. Um, maybe I'm a little bit selfish on, on in that, but uh, nope, man, it's been uh, those those 9 p.m. starts are. Uh, are a real grind. I think that 9 p.m. start is actually central time in Winnipeg. So they're really making sure that we're, we're feeling that one, but um, otherwise a, another challenging week for the jets. But I think when the calendar flips over to April and all of a sudden, I just think there's going to be in a regular 82 game season, that would be kind of flipping over into the last few games uh, for this. Obviously there's still going to be a couple, I would say about six weeks left, but man, is it going to, I think it's just going to be that point in the season where everybody's game kind of takes another step because I don't know what it is about the month of April. Spring is 
sprung, if you will. And all of a sudden it just starts to feel like playoff hockey. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I think you'll see a bit of separation too on teams, you know, obviously the teams that are pushing for playoff spots, they'll start to have a little bit more risk in their game as they try and push. And as for the teams that are near the top, like the Winnipeg Jets, Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs, it's just about, you know, building your game and continuing to be better. Um, Speaking of continuing to get better, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, he's got 13 points in his 20 games with the Winnipeg Jets. Jamie, what have you seen from him uh, over the last stretch here? That big, strong man player that uh, Paul Marisa described when he first arrived in Winnipeg, and you have to wait a little bit to, for the quarantine to happen, and then, of course, to get his legs underneath him after those 14 days. And a comfortability with playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor, who I imagine would have be extremely challenging to start with in a good way because they're such two unique players and do – you're not quite sure what they're going to do uh, with the puck because they're just so unique or, or so talented with the puck on their sticks. So I think he's found that comfortability with them. Um, they're starting to work really good in the offensive end of the rink and uh, find some chemistry. So Pierre-Luc Dubois has really added everything, I think, a little bit more than the Winnipeg Jets thought he was going to add when they made the trade for Pat- with Patrick Laine and Jack Rosovic going the other way. Well, guys, uh, let's wrap things up here on episode 100 of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, let's go through the memory banks a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I'll start with you guys because I am having trouble remembering anything because I pretty much just woke up. Uh, <laughs> Me too, man. So <laughs> we all did. It was, it was an early start. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, we'll start with you. Just what's your, what's your favorite memory of the 100 episodes that we've done so far? Um. I think one of the episodes that that stands out is, you know, whenever we're able to have Mark Chipman on, it's it's always huge because there's just so many different topics that you can talk with him about. And he's always engaging and willing to kind of give you a little bit of insight into kind of some of the decisions that are made at a league level and everything that goes into it. Of course, he's on the Hockey Hall of Fame committee as well. So he just has seems to have his hand in a lot of things. And so whenever he's able to, to sit down with us and kind of chat for 15 to 20 minutes. is always a really uh, exciting episode. So that's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, and then also, I think it's just because uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this miss just because I, I miss part of the office setting um, is how <laughs> we used to, uh, especially, you know, I would say last season or, and even the first season of the pod, we would, uh, after games, like, so it'd be 1130 at night when we're done all the post-game stuff, we would be recording the podcast and we would be, you know, we'd get all this work done and it would be this, this, this build up to get all the post-game content out. And then it's like, okay, let's do the podcast. And then we would all uh, have our mics in our hands and we'd all just lean back in our chairs. Cause we're just like, okay, time to be laid back a little bit. Um, <laughs> and we'd all kind of do it at once. And I think one time we all did it without even like saying anything <laughs> we all just had a good laugh at that so always fun to do these uh podcasts every week and uh we're glad that people are enjoying them to the effect that they even listen to us for 100 episodes so uh we appreciate the support for sure yes absolutely appreciate you guys the listeners uh would not still be doing this without you so appreciate the downloads every week uh jamie sliding over to you uh, how about when we were in Columbus on the, on the guest trip and, uh, Karen Pionk stopped by with Neil Pionk and, uh, Neil, you know, fantastic guy, very quiet though, when it comes to dealing with the media. So whenever we've had him on the podcast, including in our old jets TV office back in the day, when Neil first got in, 
uh, to Winnipeg and he told the story of almost dying in New York. Yes. <laughs> so of the busy traffic, but Karen Pionk telling the stories of um, missing skates and kids getting the wrong one and leaving their youngest son at the rink one time and not realizing they had uh, left them there till they got home in the garage. So uh, that that's by far my favorite because it just seems so it, it was not expected. I, I thought a lot of cool stories about Neil, Neil were coming, but uh, Karen really delivered that day on the, on the, on the podcast. So that's, that's one of my favorite memories. And then just a lot of the late nights that we've done and the fact that uh, we've, we've pieced this together for so long, a hundred episodes is quite the accomplishment, especially from where we started. Yeah. Shout out to Neil Pionk. Actually, he's our only three time guest. So <laughs> it's well-deserved. Yes. Well deserved. I hear he brags about that in the room. <laughs> I think he does. I think he does for sure. <laughs> and he actually asked me if he could come on for a fourth. There we go. <laughs> he, uh, he did not ask me that. I will ask del- him that. He delivered that pretty well. I was like, wow, he did. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, well, considering Jamie stole one of my favorite memories, uh, <laughs> even though I was just sitting there uh, monitoring the audio for that interview, really enjoyed uh, listening to Neil and his mom. Uh, my favorite memory, I think, goes back to the first episode that we did with uh, Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty. Oh, yes. Known and he called us the ECHL podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think we've graduated uh, at least one tier uh, <laughs> since then. Uh, I think we have some pretty good guests and we have some good banter and commentary, but I think that was uh, my favorite memory by far of all the interviews that we've done. But overall, just, you know, the support that we've gotten from the fans and, and the, the downloads we get every week, we've had steady growth since the start of the podcast. So definitely appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the work that you guys put in uh, every week to pull some analysis from the, the stats that you're seeing and what you're seeing and uh, translate it into the fans into a very digestible way. So uh, appreciate that. Uh, anyway, fellas, uh, let's wrap this up on behalf of myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton. Jamie Thomas of 680 CJOB, Paul Edmonds, and of course, the illustrious producer, Daniel Moss, back in Winnipeg, who always puts this together and makes it sound beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll see you next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. 